as we as we look closely at your word with Pastor Charles, I pray that our attention would be fixed on you, that you would remove distractions, God, and that that you would reveal to us more of your heart. In your holy name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. So King Solomon, he is said to be the wisest man to ever lived. Of course, next to Pastor Ryan, that is. And, and he's, he's, he makes a claim in his wisdom. He says that all human beings have this one thing in common. And, and, and he goes on to tell us that God has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. What he's saying is, look, you could live in the jungles of South America. You could live in a penthouse in New York City, rich, poor, educated, uneducated, theist, atheist, it doesn't matter who you are, at the end of the day, regardless of who you are, Solomon says that we all are the same. We all have this, this deep desire, this longing for something that this world just cannot fulfill. And that's why we all ask the same questions. Questions like, well, well where did I come from? Why am I here? How should I live? And, and maybe the biggest question of all, where am I going? You know, many of us sitting here in this room this morning, I'm well aware, have, have discovered that these eternal desires, these longings, these questions can only be answered through the person of Jesus Christ. That we can have eternal life through a relationship with Jesus. Many of us have discovered that in this room, but I'm also aware that many of us in here also at least know plenty of people, probably people who are close to us, people who are still wrestling. They're still restless deep down inside. This question of eternity is still a mystery to them. The good news of Jesus Christ has not yet become good news to them. And that is, I believe, with that in mind, why the Apostle Paul, he goes on to challenge us as Christ followers. And he challenges us with this powerful verse in Romans where he says, how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them what Paul is saying to us? in this verse is very clear. He's saying, look, Christ followers, you in this room who have devoted to following Jesus, he's saying, since you have discovered the, the one who placed eternity in your heart, since you have a relationship with that one, then you have a job to do. You have a responsibility here. You know, this is the last week of our uh, growing Deeper Vision 2023 series. And, and over these past uh, six weeks now, we've, we've looked at the different roots that we really want to grow deeper in as a church over the next three years. And today I want to take a look at the sixth and final root that we're going to grow deeper with. And honestly, we couldn't call ourselves the church without this root. And it is the root that we are to engage our neighborhoods, communities, and our world for Jesus Christ. But before we really talk about what this looks like, I, I, I want to first 
spend a moment sharing with you why this root is important. Because if we don't understand the why this root is important, then we won't truly buy in to the mission of this. We won't truly live this out in our lives. We must understand the why. So let me give you two just specific reasons this morning that this is important for our lives and that this is God's call on our lives. The first reason I want to give you is that our God is ascending God. He's ascending God. We see this all throughout Scripture. Beginning in the Old Testament, God sent the nation of Israel to be a light into the world with the hope that other nations would see how they live for God. God's desire was to bless Israel so that they could go then and be a blessing and a light to other people and other nations. They were sent to do this. And then we see this coming to full fruition through the life and mission of Jesus Christ. In fact, in the book of John alone, Jesus is described as being sent more than 44 times. And if you're a Christ follower, I tell you, your ultimate goal in life is to become more like Jesus. This is what we are to do. And I know that oftentimes when we hear that, we think, well, then that means I should become more loving or I should become more forgiving. I should become more kind. And that's true. We, we should become more loving, more forgiving and kind. But more than that, we become more like Jesus Christ when we realize that we too are to be sent into this world. In fact, in John chapter 20, Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. This is part of what it looks like to be more Christ-like, to embrace our mission of being sent and go out into the world. This is what makes our mission so critically important, because we are sent. But then the, the second reason I want to give you of why this is important is because the church is an aircraft carrier, not a cruise ship. Let me explain what I mean by this. There's a pastor named J.D. Greer, and he says that too often we view the church like, like a cruise ship. And there's danger in thinking that way, because when we do, he says a cruise ship church will, will do things like offer Christian luxuries for the whole family, such as entertainment and childcare services and business networking. We get all of this out of church. But then he goes on to say, we, when this happens, we show up at church and we start asking questions like, what well, does the pastor teach funny? Is he time conscious? Is, is my needs being met? Do I like the music? We start asking these questions and the danger in this he says, is the next step. If the church ever ceases to cater to my preferences, then there's plenty of other cruise ships in the harbor. I'll go find one who will. You know, I, I, the, the truth of all of this is, is the church's mission, its main mission, is not about what I can get out of it. It's truly about equipping God's people to fulfill God's mission of reaching and rescuing others for Jesus Christ. And with that being our mission, Pastor J.D. Greer, he goes on then to say, well, the church should be more of an aircraft carrier equipping planes for battle. He says there's, there's too much at stake here. 
The church is called to equip its people to engage in the battle of rescuing others for Jesus Christ. That is our main mission. And for those two reasons alone, the why this is so important, we must engage people for Christ. This isn't an option. We have to do this, and we have to do it well. We have to grow deeper and deeper into this root. So understanding the why is great, but let me, let me finish by sharing with you the how we're going to do this and the where we're going to do this. What's our strategy, both as individuals and a church, for this? Well, just before Jesus returned back to heaven, he looked to his followers and, and he told them exactly what they could expect. And he shared with them and us the how we could accomplish this. So, so pay attention to this little verse. It is, it's an incredible verse. Jesus tells them this. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's the how. You will receive a, a power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I love this because Jesus doesn't just say, well, guys, um, I'm taking off for a bit. Good luck. Best wishes to you. Hope you can figure all this out. I'll see you in a bit and take off. That is not how Jesus does this. No, he says, look, we have a mission to do, and you are going to be my representatives on earth, but let me tell you what, you're not going to do this alone. I am giving you someone who will completely empower you to do this mission, to carry this out in my place. Now, I don't say that lightly because I just, I'll be honest with you. I, I know I'm a pastor, and I'm, and I'm supposed to talk about and even teach people how to carry out this mission and the importance of it. I get that, but I, I'm just being real. Sometimes, sometimes this, this makes me fearful. It's hard. I find it hard to share my faith with people who don't believe. It's hard to share my faith with, with skeptics who are going to question me and try to belittle me. It's, it's hard to share my faith with, with people who might be hostile to me. And so I start putting pressure on myself and I start asking myself these questions. I say, well, what if, what if people ask me questions that I don't know the answer to? Then what? Or, or, or what if I say something and I mess it all up? If I say the wrong thing and I screw up the gospel, what, what then? Or what if somebody completely rejects me? I mean, please tell me I'm not the only one that thinks this stuff. And, 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 and although those things, they do come to mind, and that's not bad, but here, here's the reality of what happens. Jesus promised you, promised, that that you would have the strength and be empowered by the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that gives strength to my words. It is the Holy Spirit that gives clarity to my speech. It is the Holy Spirit who will convict and convince those that are hearing the message. That is the job of the Holy Spirit. That is not on you and it's not on me. That's not my job and that is great news today. That is his job. And so the questions that I should ask aren't what-if questions. The questions I should be asking are, whom shall I fear? 
What shall I fear? Nothing. Nothing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for this gift of the Holy Spirit to empower us. This is how this mission is going to happen. Only through the strength of the Holy Spirit. No other way. But then I wonder, where is this, is this going to happen? Where are we to engage people for Christ? Well, I'm glad you asked, so let me tell you exactly what I know. Jesus uh, said this to his disciples, and it's true to us. He says, you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, these locations would have made total sense to the disciples, but, but I'm curious what they mean for us as individuals and as the church. So let me break this down for us just for a minute. Jesus says, you will be my witnesses, telling the people about me everywhere. And he first starts with Jerusalem, which for us, that would be our neighbors. These are people in close proximity to us. Jerusalem was the disciples' hometown. These were people that, that they worked with, played with, ate with, their neighbors, their family, their co-workers, people in the marketplace. Those are all the people that the disciples were encouraged to share the message about Jesus Christ with. And the same is true for you and I. You know, one of my favorite stories in Scripture is about a woman named Esther. And if you're not familiar with this story... Esther was chosen by the king of Persia, King Xerxes, to be the queen. And so Esther becomes the queen. But later in the story, we find out that there's a plot to kill all the Jews. The problem is these are Esther's people. They're, they're, the plot is to kill them. And so Mordecai is Esther's cousin. And Mordecai learns of this, and he recognizes Esther's position that she's been put in, her position of influence. And so he goes to her, and he says these words to her. He says, if you keep quiet, Esther, at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. He says, who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. And so Esther, courageously, she goes to King Xerxes and she asked the, the king that the Jews' lives would be spared. And the king bends his ear and he listens to his queen and he saves the lives of these people for such a time as this. It's an incredible story. But what's truly incredible is that the same is true for you and me. You are who you are for such a time as this. You, you have been given unique gifts and abilities, your personality, your temperament, all that makes up you, that makes you unique, God can use to reach people that I can't and that each other can't. You've been gifted to do these things uniquely by God for such a time as this. You are who you are, but you also are where you are. For such a time as this, God has put you in a position at work, uh, in a place in your family, your circle of friends, your acquaintances, where you live, all unique to you and to you alone. God has uniquely given you the inside track to, to influence people that I can't influence. It's a special. You, you are who you are and you are where you are for such a time as this. Who's your Jerusalem? 
Who do you need to have conversations with? But then Jesus goes on to say, hey, it's not just Jerusalem. You should go to Judea, which to us is, is our community. You know, he's, he's calling them to go to Judea. Jerusalem was located within the, uh, an area called Judea. And Jesus was challenging his disciples to, to go into their community at large to make a difference for Christ. And we're called to do the same things both as an individual and as a church. I, I was challenged this week. Um, an author named Eric Swanson, he, he wrote a, a book that asked this question that really, it really struck me. He asked, if your church disappeared, would your community even notice? And I had to think about that. Not would you notice. Would people outside the walls of our church notice? Would people who don't come to the chapel notice if the chapel no longer existed? Would it make a difference in their life? We often say this. We say, you know, just because you can't do everything doesn't mean you can't do something. And, and so we think oftentimes, what is what is our something? What is that thing we can do? As a church, we've tried really hard to identify some of those somethings where we can make a difference and we can show people the love of God in our communities to the people outside of our walls. Now, I know I'm in Port Clinton and you have a lot of those things here that you do, but I want to share with you this morning a couple of things we do right from Norwalk. One of the things that we do that I absolutely love is that we support a mission called Abigail Pregnancy Center in Norwalk. Abigail is um, a ministry that's helping young women understand they have choices, they have options when considering abortions. So, that, so they do trainings and teachings, they give resources, they give counseling, they even give food and clothes and diapers to young moms who are able, unable to purchase them. At, they're at the end of the rope. And a couple years ago, the chapel was able to purchase or help them to purchase an ultrasound machine. And this was incredible. So over the past two years, they've been getting trained on how to run this ultrasound machine because we know that when a young woman considering abortion comes to the clinic, oftentimes, many times, they will change their mind and decide to keep their baby after seeing and hearing it on an ultrasound machine. This was critical to have. And we've seen so many women, not just having babies, but thriving as families as a result of this ministry. We get to support and we get to be a part of in our community, people outside of our walls. Uh, you all helped us last summer with a ministry we do called Love Norwalk. Love Norwalk is, is, is a group of area churches come together for the sole purpose of showing the love of Christ to those in our communities, to the people who aren't inside our walls. So we purchase backpacks and school supplies and hygiene items for families going back to school in the fall that can't afford this stuff. And, and, and as they're collecting this stuff, it's all free. We give them something to eat and we share the gospel with them. It is incredible to see the impact that is having in our community on people who've never stepped foot inside our building before. I love that, the impact we're able to have. All of our campus do these things like curbside carryout and warming the homeless, and we offer benevolence to families in need. I, I love that we can do this. In fact, just today, 
After the service, there's a group of us that are going to be going around delivering gifts to widows and widowers who, who may not attend our church. And we're doing that for the sole purpose of showing them the love of Christ on a day like today, Valentine's Day, that they struggle the most. This is a hard day for them. I, I love that we get to do this. And each of these ministry partners, they need help with volunteers and donations and resources. So I say, these are the things that the church wants to do to reach Judea, but what are you going to do? Where are you placed? What has God given you? Will, you? will you respond? And last, Jesus says, you know what? You should go also go to Samaria and the ends of the earth. I, I love that he includes Samaria here. Because Samaria was a place that, that the Jews looked down on. They didn't like the Samaritans. And that's why Jesus included this, was to remind them that you should go and you should engage people for Christ that may not look like you, act like you, or believe like you. He says, go to them. I, I, I know that every summer we live in a, a unique area of the world where, where those from other nations, often Muslim nations, come here in the summer to work. They go to Cedar Point and to Kalahari. They're all around. We're, we're in a special place of the world. They do that. And we have the opportunity as a chapel to befriend these people. So we give you that chance every spring to, de to befriend one of these people that, that they don't look like you, talk like you, sound like you, or believe like you. But we get to befriend them. And we get to show them what, yes, life looks like in America, but more than that, we get to show them what the love of Christ looks like. And we get to share with them Jesus, and they want to know. They listen. This is incredible. We get to do this. And Jesus also says, but you should go to the ends of the earth. And I hope if you've been coming to the chapel for any length of time, you know how serious we take this. Because we're involved in missions in Burundi and in Mexico and then in India, all around the world, for the sake of sharing Christ with those who don't know him. This is an incredible mission that we're on. What are you going to do to grow your roots deeper? There's a couple here, in fact, that come to your Port Clinton campus, the Stelzers, some of you know. And, and they are heading to Asia, Middle Asia, to, to teach college students how to speak English and to share Christ with them. And I'm telling you this firsthand, um, you're the first to know. Next year, it is our plan to send a short-term mission team of young adults to go and, and serve with the Stelzers in, in Central Asia. This is, uh, I can't wait for this to happen. What are you going to do? Jesus is clear here. He's saying that I'm going to leave, but someday I will be back. And between this day and between that day, we have a job to do. So job, are you, are you ready to do this? We have to grow deeper into engaging our neighborhoods, our communities, and around the world for Christ. This is critical. So I admit, though, that I've, I've um, over the past six weeks, as we've been sharing with you this plan, I'll admit part of me has been excited and encouraged by this vision, but part of me has been I think a little fearful too, because this is a big mission. This is 
this is bigger than us. It's going to take a lot of work and it's going to be challenging. And there's one thing I know for sure that we can do nothing apart from the Lord. We need Him to do something incredible. Proverbs 16 says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. We've made our plans. We've shared our plans with you. This is what we want to do for the next three years. We've shared our plans with the Lord. Lord, this is what we want to do for the next three years. And we are completely 100% dependent on God to determine our steps. Have to be. So as we close today, I, I, I want to take a moment to lift this vision up. Right from the quietness of your chair, would you pray with me? Pray with me over these six vision roots. I'm going to put them on the screen, and I would love to just take a moment together. Let's lift these to the Lord, because we need Him. So let's look at these. The first one, building a culture of family. Lord, we know how important family is to you. We know how important unity is to you. You prayed that we would be unified so that the world would know who you were. This is important, Lord. Help us. Our second route, becoming like Jesus. God, every day we want to become more and more like you. That is our goal, to be more Christ-like. Help us to think like you, have an attitude like you, a heart like you. Help us to respond to others like you. Help us, Lord. And equipping the next generation, this is one that's on my heart, Lord. I have an 18-year-old daughter heading to college next year. May she cling to you, Lord Jesus. Lord, many of us in this room won't be around in 20 or 30 years to continue leading the church in this way. It's going to need our, our youth, our kids are going to be doing this. Help us. Cultivating healthy relationships, God. It is our desire to see people grow closer together. Lord, help us. When it's hard, help us. Gaining financial wisdom. Lord, what an important thing. Yeah, over and over in Scripture, your word speaks of the importance of being good stewards and, and being generous and, and handling our, our gifts and our finances. Like you, Lord, help us. Teach us, grow us. Lord, engaging our neighborhoods, communities, and world. This is of utmost importance because how will people know who you are if we don't tell them? Lord, thank you for the Holy Spirit and the power we will have through him. Thank you for that. Lord, help us to not get hung up on ourselves and our abilities and what we can do, but instead trust you and rely and lean into you. Help us with this, Lord. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Charles is so right. We're going to have to depend on God for these things to happen.
that doesn't happen without prayer. And so this next series that we're going to be launching next week is actually called 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. And so to kick that off, uh, let's just end this service with singing this simple chorus. God, you are my God, and I will ever praise you. Oh, God, you are my God, and I will ever praise you. Oh, God, you are my God, and I will ever praise you. I will seek you in the morning, and I will learn to walk in church you're dismissed uh, our ushers will come and dismiss you row by row we'll see you next week